Please join me in prayer. Our Father, open our hearts and minds to your word of truth written so long ago and help us to write these words on our hearts as if they were new. Amen. We read from Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say to you, You shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. This is the word of God. Second reading added to that from the the letter of Paul to the church in Rome. And certainly God's word to us. It's the first Sunday of Lent, an annual time in the church calendar where we pause to remember Jesus' confrontation with evil and that implications for us even now. Hear now from Paul. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but the very thing, but I do the very thing I hate. And if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good, but in fact it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do not do what I, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. A woman asked if I would come to pray for her neighbor. I had not met the the woman. She had no church home, and her husband had recently died. I stopped by my member's home first and asked a little bit about her. 
And she said she not only lost her husband, she lost her perfect little world. She always kept a perfect house, perfect kids, perfect life. But life is not perfect. Now she knows. Sooner or later, we all will know. Life isn't fair. Our best laid plans sometimes fall apart. We live in a fallen world. The innocent suffer. Evil seems to prosper and win. And God appears strangely silent. Something is wrong. You don't need to watch the news or scan the headlines. You've already figured that out. You didn't need me standing here to tell you. If God has a plan for this world, there is a force in this world committed to thwarting it. Evil. We may have different understandings of what that means, but the magnitude of evil boggles the mind. Injustice, terror, crime, corruption, immorality, the unrelenting pain of a world gone mad. We have an enemy. Whether we view it the way they did in biblical times as this personal figure in our minds dressed up in a red coat with a pointed tail and pitchforks, maybe we don't look at things quite like that, but we feel the contest every day. We know it. We feel it in our bones. We sense it in the world. Using any means necessary, evil has a clear mission to take us down and to take us out. Our battle, Paul said, isn't against mere flesh and blood or just human cruelty. It goes deeper. Now, is this snake in the garden? We'll get to him in a little more detail. Actually, Satan in disguise. What we know is that Satan was disguised as an angel in light and his ways are subtle. We can't blame all evil on the devil, though. In a way, we hardly need a devil. Human beings cause enough pain and misery unassisted. What we see unfolding in the world isn't God's will being done, but God's will being spurned and ignored. Was the life meant to be so hectic and the world so flawed, filled with such heartache, or has something happened? The main character in the novel Catch-22 says something must have happened to me sometime. Yep, indeed it happens to all of us. Something, as Paul described it, creation itself was subjected to futility. It groans as a woman in labor groans and travail. The world is like one big train wreck, strewn out in a million pieces. Nothing is as it ought to be. It's messy. All that God created he called good, but what God created is now run amok. And it was meant to operate flawlessly, to be a paradise God meant and intended for humanity, but we ruined it. How? Because, not just because of this talking snake and this tree, we abuse the very good gift God gave all humanity, free will. We mimic, in a way, Adam and Eve and find ourselves outside the garden God planned for us in the beginning. The world's great beauty has been muddied. The curse isn't just out there, it's inside us all. 
from the bite of the first apple to the choices we made last week. We pursue our own will and we ignore God's. Eden, you see, isn't really about a snake. It's about what we humans did. The first couple steal the show. And then they blame each other. And having no one else to blame, the snake slithers off. God's will has been violated. Not once upon a time long ago, but again and again and again. And their flaws just get replicated in us. So... From that moment on, that first time, there is an irreparable fact that we must face. We all have a dark side. Our enemy doesn't live across the ocean, but inside our hearts. Evil isn't lurking out there to overtake us. It is inside waiting to undermine us. Good and evil clash within us all. This is the story of history, and it's the story of our lives. If we look, our innocence is lost, evil gains some foothold. Now, we can stand back arrogantly, as most people do, and say, why does God allow this stuff? Why does crime continue? Why does the hungry starve? Why so many senseless tragedies in schools and all across the world over and over again? Why, God? I'm going to deal with that on Wednesday, and you're welcome to come, but the real culprit lies closer to home. There is a war, Paul says, going on within us, an internal battle between good and evil, between light and darkness. Anton Chekhov once said, man only becomes better when you make him see what he is like. What do you see? What do I see when we look in the mirror? Don't just say wrinkles. <laughs> you know what I see? I try not to look. All the contradictions, all the things I wanted and meant that went wrong. And then I wonder why. We hide our dark side. We try to hold it together, not let others see the full extent of the problem. So privately, we then do battle with our own demons. What Paul saw in his mirror were two faces, the devoted Paul and the disloyal Paul, the, the, the good he strived to do and desired to do, but the wicked he ended up doing. And if anybody in this room can't hear the pain when he says, wretched man that I am, that just kind of stands out as one of the passages of the New Testament. We need to just... Underline, for heaven's sakes. What I do isn't what I want to do, but the very thing I deplore. Now, is Paul depressed? Am I just trying to make you depressed on a rainy day? No, he's being honest. And so I must confess, inside of me, inside of you, there's this loyal me, this devoted Mike, and then there's this disloyal Mike, a man often divided against himself. And there is this loyal you, who walks humbly with God and does what is right. Then there's this rebellious, falsely proud you who ignores God and lives by your own rules and wits. Now don't picture a good and bad angel on each shoulder trying to whisper in your ear. That's Hollywood. Paul knew that there was a war, real war going on, not just being waged in the news, but being waged in every human soul. 
Now the truth is Paul sinned before and after he met Jesus. The only difference was the new Paul owned up to it and faced it. This man who set the world on fire for Christ, who loved Christ more than his own life, yet his motives were not always pure and his deeds were far from sinless. I saw this New Yorker cartoon strip. A psychiatrist is walking out of his office with his arm around one of his clients, trying to console him. Yes, yes, indefinable cravings, fantasies, feelings of unresolved guilt, sleeplessness, sudden fits of rage. And he looks at the man, something must be going around. Yeah, it's been going around a long time. Not some virus, but this internal struggle of being human. We want to be God instead of letting God be God. And like the first couple, people can self-destruct. Many do. And the result is unrelenting suffering. Yes, we have seen the enemy, and it is within us and among us. And well, But here's the good news. I'm not, like I said, trying to drag you down in the rain, but whether we live godly or ungodly lives, God stays committed to us. His plans and purposes are not stumped by our sinful actions. But the world's problems run a lot deeper than they're ever given publicity. They're not the sum total of all individual sins. My friends, evil is epidemic. It runs rampant in corporations and systems of power. Some people are bad to the bone and they act worse in groups. A man came up to a preacher after service and he has had on wearing a frown. And he said, when are you going to preach about sin again in church? The minister said, we talk about sin all the time. He said, well, people out there need to hear a strong word from God. The minister looked at his friend and said, people out there aren't the only ones who need to hear from God. The only sin and evil some people see is out there being done by others. The scary headlines, all the things that keeps us up at night. But I say to you, the war between good and evil isn't just in the news, it's inside us all. And what makes sin so sinful is denial. We fail to see what we are doing as sin. Now, I'm not putting you in the same level as others or myself in that place too. We may not be wicked people, but face it, given the right set of circumstances, we're capable Almost anything. So we come in here on Sundays and smile and pretend to be self-assured people, but my friends, it's often a mask. You know when I stop asking people how they were doing? It's when I got an answer. I asked the man, how you doing? He said, I look good, but I'm dying on the inside. I don't ask that anymore, so don't expect it. Dying on the inside. You see what happens, don't you? We put up a good front. We pretend to people around us, oh, <laughs> we're doing good. Truth is, something has happened to humanity. And it generally results in us not getting better. I hate to bring this up the same day we've had 
Meals for Wheels almost changed my sermon after hearing such a good talk. And You know, but the thing is, is this is the time of year where we really have to face, as Jesus did, the evil that is out there. Human history, we happen to be born at a particular time. You realize it's not a chronicle, really, of moral progress. It's the ongoing saga of human lust and pride and greed that has been left unchecked and gets rolled over like a CD generation after generation after generation. We live in a fallen world. We lost paradise. Our flawed world, though, isn't a sign of God's absence, but it is a sign of the presence of evil. All human sin added collectively together, we have devastated this planet. And the only thing harder than telling the truth to others is facing the truth about ourselves. This young man in a previous church wanted to have lunch. He wasn't a member of my church, but someone had told him to, to call me. So we ta- sat, talked about his future. He was even pondering the idea of the ministry. And I said, well, tell me, you just graduated from college. What's the most important thing you learned? He thought a minute, he said, people are not what they seem or appear to be. And I said, well, congratulations. You very well may be headed for the ministry. That lesson will serve you well. You know, it'll serve you well outside the ministry too. Things are not what they seem. People are often deceitful. The prophet Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things. Now we can project a good image. But then we can go out and say the most crazy things and do the most insufferable acts. Every day we walk out the door in a way we vote for or against God. Every day. We don't need to blame Satan when we can't resist temptation. Satan never crosses over the threshold of our willingness. Evil can't make us sin. We yield to it. Evil never takes us somewhere we do not wish to go. But we are real sinners, not just in theory, but in practice. Here's the thing. God only knows us, uh, loves us as as we are. He also knows us as we are. Great preacher Peter Marshall once said, It's not sin to be tempted. It isn't the fact of having temptations that should cause us shame, but what we do with them. Temptation is an opportunity to conquer. When we eventually reach the goal of all our striving and appear before God, God won't look us over for diplomas, but for scars. Yes, we all play a part in evil and unsuspecting ways, but here's the good news. We can also play a part in resisting it. Will we resist evil in all its forms or will we do nothing? Will we be a part of the solution or just a part of the problem? Something has happened to humanity. You don't need me to tell you, but what you might need me to tell you is we can do something else, something true, something better, something greater, something stronger than hate and evil, something that honors God for heaven's sakes. God's plan for this world is not thwarted by us. But my friends, we can be a big part 
of pursuing it. As somebody said, think less of the power of things over you and more of the power of Christ in you. Indeed. Let us pray. Lord God, we do give you thanks for your word, for the treasury of all those who have endured and stood firm and have given us the story of our salvation. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.